Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we do thank you. Once again, Lord, we thank you for how great you are. And I pray that as we look at Abraham and, and uh, just begin to study parts of his life, Lord, that, uh, that this would impact us. Once again, Lord, it's easy to read these stories and, and uh, uh, kind of get into the whole mode of, well, that was just them and that's not me. And, you know, it was back then and things were simpler and easier and they're not part. And, Lord, we can make all these excuses, but I pray we would understand Every single person we read about here in Hebrews in this, quote, hall of faith, that they were just men and women just trying to do life. And they connected with a great God, and Lord, their lives were never the same. And I pray, I pray that we would understand that, and Lord, that you would grip our hearts this morning with your greatness and your goodness, and that, Lord, we would be men and women that we are thoroughly convinced that you're the same God today as you were yesterday, and that same God you will be tomorrow, and that, Lord, we can walk with you and we can know you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. As we get to Abraham doing this whole study on faith, Abraham's probably, probably spoken of more than anyone else in the Bible in this area of faith. He's called the father of faith. And, and uh, you know, Romans brings him up and Galatians brings him up, Hebrews brings him up. And, and so he's this great guy of faith, but I wanna emphasize Abraham was no different than you and me. He wasn't like some guy that had some supernatural quality that he could do that. He was someone that was just hanging out, doing life, and God invaded his world. I love thinking about that because that's how it should be for us. We're just doing life and all of a sudden God invades our world and everything begins to change. Now, if you've been keeping up with the Bible reading, even this morning we read some, but here's a, where in Genesis 12 through 25 is where you read about Abraham this morning. We read 23 and 24 and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But but. You gotta read this, listen, if you're not familiar, you're not doing the Bible reading, that's okay, but you know what, for homework this week sometime, just read this section and get an idea. Abraham wasn't, quote, born a believer, because I don't think anybody is, but Abraham was hanging out in this city called Ur, and hey, it was a pretty advanced city, you know, it always cracks me up. Some people act like, you know, in the ancient times, they like, you know, they were so backwards and they didn't know what was going on. And then people will always say, well, it was easier for him. No, it wasn't any easier for him than it is for us. But he was in this city, hey, they were, they were kind of the happening place. Even by the time of Abraham, it was kind of an older city, an ancient city, and he's hanging out there. It's, today would be southern Iraq, and uh, he's hanging out, and God showed up, and God said, hey, Abraham, I want you to get your stuff, I want you to get your wife, and I want you to go. Every time I think about that, it sort of blows my mind. Again, people go, it would be easier then. Seriously? I think it would be harder then. Hey, you didn't have, 
you know, you didn't have where you could get, you know, a moving truck and move you. You had to like get a wagon and get horses or whatever, oxen and do stuff. So, hey, he had to get everything together and he had to go. And then I think the greatest thing, the greatest obstacle, at least in my mind, would be trying to convince Sarah. And not, you know, I'm not just saying women in general, but normally women are a little bit more nesters than men. Like men can pick up and go, and women are like, come on, man, I just got things down, and, and we're here, and this is home. And I, for one, I know my wife pretty well. I can't imagine going to Gaynell and saying, honey, we need to leave. That part I can imagine. But then the next thing would be the hard one when she would say, okay, where are we going? I don't know. We're just gonna go. I'm not sure that would go real well in my marriage. I don't know about other people, but you know, I think eventually she would say, okay, if you really feel God is telling you that, we're gonna do it, and you better pray. No, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> but here you go, man, and he's like taken off, and you read about him, and again, he wasn't this guy who had this tremendous amount of faith. According to Joshua chapter two, he was an idolater. When God called Abraham, he was just a guy living in Ur who was part of the whole religious system and they, they had a pretty in-depth system there in Ur. They had one of the largest ziggurats, that's kind of temples that they made. They had this amazing one, the very top story of it was one big silver room dedicated to a special God. So he was worshiping other gods and then the God of the Bible shows up and says, let's do this. Now, I don't know how God appeared to Abraham. I'm not sure. But I think it was more than just that still small voice. In my life, all I get is like a, 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 you know, that, that move in my heart and a still small voice. God has never spoken to me audibly. He's never like showed up. And he's never been there. But he's always kind of nudging. Well, I think it was a little bit more with Abraham, especially if you check out for homework after you read, you know, after you read 12 through 25 in Genesis, you can read chapter 7 in Acts. And Stephen says that God appeared to him. So however that form was, I'm not sure, but Abraham, and I know some of us, here's what some of you are saying. Well, if he'd appear to me, I'd do it too. No, you wouldn't. Hey, if you're not gonna walk by faith, you know, now, you're not gonna walk by faith then, you would make an excuse. Here's what you would probably say. Well, I think that was God, but I don't really have proof it was God because he didn't show me his ID. And so maybe it wasn't God, and I don't want to get tricked. We would make, hey, if you're making excuses now, we have his written word. You're gonna make, you wouldn't make excuses even if he sat down next to you. So Abraham, he appears to God, or God appears to Abraham, and he tells him to go. Now that always blows my mind. I love, I love just sitting and thinking about that. And I like to imagine that I would have that kind of faith. I believe I've stepped out in faith quite a bit in my walk with the Lord, but I don't know if I've ever done that degree where, but here's what I know, every time you, you, you step out in faith, there's always the unknown. You have to trade the known for the unknown. Now, it's not blind faith, listen, every time I've stepped out, I have promises from God and I have an encouragement and I have his word and I'm not trusting, listen, I'm not trusting just like Abraham. Abraham was not trusting the land that he was going to, he was trusting the God who promised it. 
And remember that, listen, if you start focusing on the object, you're going to crash and burn. You focus on the God who gave you the object or gave you the promise. So, so that's Abraham. So let's, let's get into verse eight, and it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And again, that's that step of faith. Now, again, I, I wanna emphasize, because I think too many people think, well, that's blind faith. No, it's not. God said, I'm going to direct you. And what I found in my life is, you know, God, when, when even back when I got saved and then when God was moving on my heart to get into ministry, he didn't show me the whole picture. I had to take one step, and then I had to take another step, and then I had to take another step. That's called walking by faith. And when God called Abraham, Abraham had to take the first step. He would have never seen all that he saw unless he took the first step. You have to take that first step. Now, obviously, it begins with salvation. You have to trust God and trust the Bible and what he says that he died for your sins. That's the very first step. And then I believe for every single person, who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he has got something incredible for you. But you have to take a step. And you have to take another step. When I decided to go to Bible college, I had no idea what God was gonna do. I just knew that I needed to do that. And then in Bible college, I can remember distinctly about halfway through, God started impressing on my heart that, that I should pastor, that I should teach and, and take that role. And, and that was scary. The scariest part to me was seeing it out loud. You know, as long as God just like you kept it in your heart, it was like, okay, that's safe. Got it locked away here. Nobody knows. But when you say something out loud, that's it, right? Now it's out. And then planning the church in Bisbee and doing that and then coming to the church in service, all of those were steps of faith. I was talking to a young guy just last week and getting ready, he's getting ready to go plant. And you know, it's, to me, it's kind of comical. Some of these young guys come and say, can I pick your brain about church planting? And I go, yeah, it'll take till our food gets here. <laughs> and they wanna talk and they wanna look at things and, and I understand, but God is only gonna, listen, God is only gonna give you enough evidence to confirm what he's moving. You still gotta walk by faith. I know every move in my life, I've been maybe, maybe 75% sure this is God, and then there's a 25%, there's a part where you step into the unknown, and here's the crazy thing, you're really hoping God is there when you step into that. Now here's what I found, he's always been there. And here's what I'm gonna tell you, if he's not there, it's okay. You're not gonna fall off the end of the world. It'll be all right if you're kinda getting ahead of him or something. So Abraham, by faith, stepped out. He didn't know where he was going. Again, that sort of, that, that just like, right? He steps out, he starts going in a direction, and then it says this, verse nine, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as, a, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now we're gonna get into verse 10 a little bit more, but I want us to just think about verse nine and what he's saying. Once Abraham finally got to Canaan, God said, this is yours. If you've done your Bible reading, 
this morning? Here's what we found out. Abraham tells all of the people around him, he goes, I'm a foreigner and a stranger. I'm a pilgrim here. Abraham was in that land for over 20 years, check this out, and never owned anything. Lived in tents. He roamed up and down the land, walked all around the land, but never had any land. As a matter of fact, the only land he ever had was in chapter 23 when he bought the field in the cave to bury his wife. And that's the only land him or his son or his grandson ever owned there. I mean, that's kind of like, right? It would be like this, like if God talked to you, you'd go home from church today, you know, and you're, you're having lunch or whatever, or, and you know, you're getting all ready to, to, to do something, and then God all of a sudden says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and he's gonna give you a little bit more. He's not gonna tell you just go and don't know. He's gonna, what if he said this? I want you to go, and I've given you Ecuador. I don't know why I said that. And you go, okay, Ecuador sounds nice. And you say, okay, and you go to your wife and you go, honey, God has given us Ecuador. She might question you a little bit, but you tell her. And then you get your, you get your maybe a fifth wheel or a motor home and you take off and you go to Ecuador. After 10 years, you're still living in your motor home traveling around Ecuador. Pretty soon, you have a kid. He gets a motor home. He travels around Ecuador. And you're just, and you're telling, this is ours. And your wife's going, uh-uh. we don't own any of this. I know, but it's ours. Just drive around and enjoy it. I mean, isn't that kind of bizarre? Now, most people go, come on, God didn't do that. That's what he did to Abraham. He never owned anything until the very end when he bought the plot from uh, the Hittites to bury his wife, and then he is buried in that plot. That's it. As a matter of fact, as you're going through your Bible reading, do a little bit investigating. No one from his line ever had any property there until 500 years after Jacob. That's mind-boggling to me. And here's one thing, God keeps his promise, right? They got the land, just took a while to fulfill it. But he's roaming that land, and then here's the important thing, and I think this is what we need to get a hold of. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Oh, oh, I'm starting to get it now. You see, he wasn't so much focused on Canaan as he was focused on the end game. What's the end game? Going to heaven. Going to heaven. And he's on his journey. Listen, we are all on a journey in this thing called life, and we're taking this journey, and we're going along, and as long as you focus on the things here, you're going to have ulcers, you're going to get upset, you're going to get freaked out, you're going to have all these things. If you focus on the city with foundations, listen, as he says that, here's what's implied there. It has foundations that are eternal, not temporal. They're forever. And then I love this, whose architect whose designer and contractor and builder is God. There's only one city that could refer to. That's in Revelation chapter 21. You can do that for homework too if you haven't been there lately. But man, what's he talking about? He's talking about our eternal 
city with the Lord, the place where we're gonna spend. Is that where your focus is today? Think about your life and what do you focus on? And I think it's important. Now, now having said that, I wanna be careful because you know I was reading one commentary and, and he like, I just like, sometimes I talk to my books and I go, seriously? Where'd you come up with that? And I start asking him, I wish they would, would show up and like answer some of my questions. And this one commentator, here's what he's saying. Notice they lived in tents. Therefore, here was his conclusion. Therefore, all of us as Christians need to live in poverty. We need to not own anything. We need to, you know, and he's building this whole big case. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, dude, you need to study Abraham a little bit more. He was extremely wealthy. The guy had an army of 300 people. Come on. Even the major rappers don't have that kind of bodyguard system going on. I mean, you think about who he was, and, and I'm thinking, come on. Now, I personally, I don't think it's sin to have nice things. You can have nice things. As long as your nice things don't have you. You see, Abraham could have those possessions, but what was he looking for? He was looking for that city to, uh, that has foundations. So if you keep focused on, on the end, those other things, hey, they're just, you know, quote, blessings along the way or whatever you want to call it. So I, I'm, I'm not a guy who says, you know, we all have to live in poverty. We all have to be careful what we have. Be careful what you do. Be careful how you do, you know, those kind of things. So here's this guy, and here's what he's doing. He's trusting God. Listen to what John MacArthur says. I love this. True faith is deaf to doubt dumb to discouragement, blind to impossibility, no matter what it experiences, it sees only the promise of God. As you walk through life, here's the thing, as you, as you do this journey that I'm talking about, there's gonna be something going off in your head telling you, you need to stop now. I'm sure Abraham had a major, major spiritual battle in his heart and in his head as he's leaving Ur. Well, I know he does because I've read the Bible. He only goes part way to begin with and then he stops. He's like, I'm gonna trust God. And here's what happens to us. We step out and we go, what on earth am I doing? And he's hanging out in Heron for a while and then God kickstarts him again, right? And then he finally takes off again. So you have that, but you're always gonna have that battle going on. And you need to be somebody, I don't care. I don't care about the doubts. I don't care about what people are telling me. I don't care about even, you know what? I don't right now, I don't even care about logic. What I care about is the promise of God. And I'm gonna follow God. And I'm gonna do what God has shown me no matter what. So away goes Abraham. And, and I love his journey. Now, on his journey, check this out. In verse 11, it says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, as we, as we get into this, here's the thing. Now we kind of shift from Abraham to Sarah, although, although the scholars, they say that this isn't really talking about Sarah, it's still talking about Abraham, and they kind of divvy it up and do some stuff, and, and I get bummed out. I think it's talking about Sarah. And they go, how can I talk about Sarah? She laughed at God. 
And she did, right? Remember when God told her, you're gonna have a kid? Well, do you, does anybody in this room blame her for laughing? She's like 90 years old, and I don't even care back then. That was still old. How do I know? Because it says they were beyond the age of childbearing. And she's like, here's what I think she thought. And maybe she even mumbled this. Seriously, God, at 90, at 90, I'm going to have a baby? I mean, imagine that, number one. Imagine having at 90. And then here's what I think she thought. I was 35, and you didn't do anything? You wait till I'm 90? Why would you wait till I'm 90? I was 35. I could have had kids then. But no, wouldn't you have that conversation with God? Come on. And you know what that tells me? Here's what that tells me. She had a crisis of faith, right? She kind of just broke down. Is she the only one? What about this guy, Abraham? Abraham had a crisis of faith. Abraham had a crisis of faith when he stopped in Haran, and then he got it together, and he went on. And then he had another crisis of faith when he went down to Egypt. You talk about a major crisis. People pick on Sarah. I think, why aren't you picking on Abraham? He left where God had promised him. He used that. He followed God. He trusted God. He does that journey. And then a famine comes, and all of a sudden, listen, all of a sudden things kind of change. <gasps> We're not going to make it. And then uh, the thing, uh, number one, going to Egypt. Why are you going to Egypt, bro? That's a wrong place to go. And then to tell his wife, have that conversation. Now, part of the conversation I think was good. I think part of the conversation went, honey, you are really hot. I think that's good. You should tell your wife. Compliment your wife. But then he says this. And everybody knows it. And these guys are going to kill me so they can have you. So here's what you need to do. Tell them you're my sister. How many of you wives would go along with that one? I mean, every time I read it, I'm thinking, and talk about a crisis of faith. You can't even trust God to protect you and your family. And you're going to take off to go to Egypt. And then worse than that, you can't trust him to protect you there. You're going to tell your wife to, you know, lie. And I love all those scholars go, well, it wasn't technically a lie because she was sort of like his stepsister. I'm going, just stop, stop. He lied. And hey, and yet God still used them greatly and they're in this hall of faith. You know what that tells me? Here's what it tells me. It tells me I'm okay. Because there are times I have a crisis of faith. There are times I have doubts. If you've ever served God in any way, you have had doubts because there's this one called the enemy of our souls who comes in and goes, seriously, you're gonna do that? I battle that every week. I battle that multiple times every week. And, uh, you know, and, and he's always saying, Really, Pat, you, get, you, you just did that and you're gonna go teach the Bible? Uh-huh. How could you? By faith, you say, I'm gonna trust God. And I'm gonna trust God for what he says and, and we'll get more into that later. But we all struggle through that and we go through that and we need to understand, listen, keep your focus on God. Look at Colossians 3 says this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
Listen, man, just stay focused. And you lose your focus, it's okay. What happens when, you know, used to when you had cameras of focus, now everybody uses their phone. But if it loses its focus, you refocus it, right? So every once in a while, you gotta refocus life. It's all right. Don't let the enemy get you down where you're not, where you're not succeeding. And then, verse 12, Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. Are you understanding? She was past childbearing age. He was past child, you know, bearing age or whatever you want to say. So listen, as good as dead, from that man were both were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Look what happened. Now listen, his descendants, he's not just talking about physical descendants of Abraham, he's talking about the spiritual descendants. And that is absolutely mind-boggling. When we get to heaven, we can talk to Abraham, he is gonna be absolutely blown away. Because what did he see? Number one, he never owned land, and God said, this is your descendants. How many children did he have? One. And what blows my mind in Genesis, he is called Abram, father, until he has one child, and he changes his name to Abraham, father of many. What do you do when your neighbors come over? Hey, Abram, no, excuse me, I'm Abraham now. Father of many? How many kids you got? One. We're on a roll. Think about, that's faith, right? That's looking beyond, listen, faith looks beyond. Isn't the first verse in Hebrews 11, right? Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Looking ahead, man. He's looking ahead and he's going, and I love that. And you and I need to understand that. Listen to this quote, I love this. Faith sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, touches the intangible, and accomplishes the impossible. Man, I look at my own life, and I believe that with all of my heart. The things that God has done in my life and allowed me to be part of, I could have never done on my own. There is no possible way, and I know that God has done it. So you look at that, now it gets better. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Listen carefully, because I think we always think it all ends happily ever after, and everybody, you know, joins arms and sings kumbaya or whatever. These guys, look what happened with these guys. They never saw it. They got to the end and they did not see the fulfillment of what they were given. And here's what I love. They weren't discouraged. I think, you know, they get to the end of their life and they're going, yes. Why? Because I did what God asked me to do. God doesn't look to you and want you to, quote, have and manufacture the results. All God wants you to do is trust him. That's what faith is. Just trust me. Just trust me and go in that direction. And I love the whole thing. They all died. Every one of them died. And when he says, listen, when he says these all died, it's interesting. Some people go back up to Abel, and then some people take the whole chapter 11. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah. They never saw the fulfillment. But yet, what does it say? They were looking 
for the city. They were looking ahead. It's okay, I don't have to see the fulfillment. All I have to do is do what God has shown me and exercise trust and exercise the fact that I trust him. Now, in verse 14, it says, those, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Listen to what he's saying. You keep focused on that and not focused on the things here. Hey, I think we live in a difficult time. I think all of us agree with that. Weirdest time ever, right? I think it's weird with the whole COVID thing and you know, all of that going on and all the different discrepancies and everything. I am so like tired of hearing, you know, you hear one person's way over here and the next person's way over here. This doctor's saying this, this doctor's saying this, and I'm going <laughs> Not even to mention the political atmosphere. What are you focused on? You see, you focus on all of that, you're, you're freaked out right now. It's fun. Some people will come to church and they're all freaked out and I'm going, uh-uh, we're in church. Why don't you focus on Jesus? Well, because, can't you see? No, I'm kind of missing it all. Why? Because we need to focus on him. Hey, these guys, listen, they weren't focused on this they were focused on the homeland. What was the homeland? Not Canaan, the homeland was glory. And they're looking at that. And, and man, that's where we need to be. Now listen, I'm not saying we don't have responsibilities and we shouldn't be responsible. What I love about what we read this morning is all of the people around, the Hittites especially, around Abraham, here's what they said. You're a prince. Man, that guy had a good, listen, Abraham had a good testimony with the people. Although he was a stranger, although he didn't fit in, although he wasn't part of that because he was looking for a better place, but yet in the, in the same breath, he's a great testimony and a great witness to them because they say, they wanted to give him the land. He goes, no, I'm gonna buy it. No, you give me the land. So think about that. So how are we doing in our world? And he says, listen, man, you're looking for a better place. Verse 15, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Hey, you can allow the world to pull you down and get you out of that frame of mind, and you're gonna be miserable. I believe you're still gonna go to heaven. I believe you're still gonna go to glory but you're not gonna enjoy the journey. I believe, listen, I believe we can absolutely enjoy the journey when we walk with God and we can walk through minefields, we can walk through explosions, we can walk through stuff, and we keep focused on him. Where is your focus? What are you looking at? What are you trusting through life? And again, I believe he calls us to step out in areas. And all of us have, listen, all of us have our different areas. Where I need to step out, not necessarily is right for you. And I think it's wrong to put that on people. You know, some people say, well, if you're not doing this, you're not walking by faith. I don't know what God's showing you. I, I am not the Holy Spirit. That's between you and him. And you, but you know whether you're exercising that faith or not. You know whether you've taken that step or not. And I believe there's a lot of people who get way to the end and then they have regrets. I don't wanna have any regrets. I wanna know in my heart of hearts that I did what God called me to do. 
and I stepped out where God called me to step out. Has it always been easy? No. Sometimes it's been really hard. Sometimes it got real ugly. But here's the thing. I was where God wanted me, and I wasn't afraid of the ugly, and I wasn't afraid of the difficulties. I just walked through them. There was a time, one of the times I stepped out, I remember several, it was years ago. We were going to Israel. We had a whole trip planned, and it was right before the trip, and some, I had some medical issues come up, and uh, it was, a, it was a, kind of the place where I probably shouldn't have gone, but there was nobody else to go with the group. And a good friend of mine, I said, I'm going. And this really good friend of mine came to me and he said, you can't go. And I go, really? And he goes, no. He goes, what if, and he listed things. What if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? Well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not a guy who lives by what ifs. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, and, and I'm an eternal optimist, right? I'm, I'm that guy that I just think, you know, earlier this year when I was told I had prostate cancer, it never dawned on me that I had prostate cancer. That's just me. I'm just thinking, let's just keep going forward, and it doesn't, so, you know, and that's not always good, but that's just how I function. And so this guy laid out all these what ifs, and I said, I don't care, I'm going. I went to Israel Everything he brought up happened. Every single thing. And guess what? God was there. God was there. As we went to, even, even as we went to build this building, all of the obstacles we had to go through to get this land, and people say, that'll never happen. That's not gonna work. This is gonna happen. This, all the, you know, Debbie doubters. You know, if your name's Debbie, sorry. But... I'm just thinking, why do we do that? Why do we do these things? Just go forward. And here's what happens. So many of us listen to all of that. We can't hear the voice of God. Slow down and listen to God. And you know what? You're not gonna turn back and go to the homeland. You're gonna go forward. Oh, the best part. This is the best part. Look at verse 16. By now... They desire a better, that is a heavenly country, or but now, I'm sorry, not by now. But now, they desire that. Listen, instead of focusing on this, what did they focus on? A better, a heavenly country. And then, check this out. This is my favorite part. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Yes, yes. Do you hear, do you hear God is not ashamed to be called their God? Don't you kind of want that? Don't you, you don't want God going, I know I kind of, I know I saved him, but, <laughs> Isn't it great to think God's not ashamed to be called your God? Sometimes we're ashamed to talk about God, aren't we? Mm-hmm, that kind of hurts, huh? Occasionally we get in situations where you're going, but he's never ashamed of us. He's not ashamed. I, I, just, I just camp there. Do you ever get to reading your Bible and you just stop and go, oh, that is so sweet. That is just like, right now I could do anything because my God's not ashamed to be called my God. Check this out. We've all got phones and different things, computers. Check out how many times the Bible says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, that's kind of cool, isn't it? He's not ashamed to be called their God. Now, that's, that's kind of great. But even greater than that, 
out of those three, who's the biggest doofus? Come on, who is? Jacob, right? You look at Jacob and you go, man, if Jacob could do it, I could do it. I mean, Jacob blows it continually. I don't, I don't know that, you know, I just think, Jacob, how do you mess up? Jacob invents ways to mess up. Do you know out of those three, which one it says God is the God of more than any of the others? Jacob. It says God is the God of Jacob more than the other two combined. Wow. Saints, you're going to mess up. You're gonna have crises of faith. And here's the problem. You can either listen to the enemy when that happens or you can listen to God. I'm not encouraging you, I'm not telling you to go out and, and do that, but you're gonna, it's gonna happen. And when that voice comes in, listen, we just sing, did we just sing a song that says, you're gonna leave your, your shame and your guilt at the door, right? We're gonna get rid of it. Don't bring that in here. Don't bring that even in your, your prayer room with God. Forget it, move on, pick yourself up. You know, what's the old saying? Pick yourself up, Dust yourself off, rub a little dirt on it, and get going, right? Just go. The enemy's gonna try and keep you down, and that's exactly what he wants, but you can say, yeah, I did that, but you know what? I have a great God, and my God, his blood covers that, and now I'm gonna go forward, and I'm gonna keep going, and I'm gonna look for that, that, that uh, city without foundations, and I need to know this. My God is not ashamed to be called my God, yes. And then at the very end, what does he say? He says, for he has prepared a city for them. I'm going to heaven. I know that. Not because I'm good, but because I have a good God. And here's the thing, though. I want to have fun getting there. I want, to have, I want this journey. You can have an exciting journey and an adventure or humdrum. It's up to you. Chuck Smith used to always encourage ventures of faith. And you know what? There's nothing greater than stepping out in faith and kind of stepping into that unknown and realize, wow, I can walk here. And you just keep going. And you take another step and another step. Let's do that. I think we can change the world. I know I'm saying that a lot right now, but I really think we can. Hey, all of this stuff that's going on, you can either focus on that and let all of that get you down, or you can focus on the city that he's building for you and change the world, just like Abraham. Hey, don't get caught up in it, but you know what? Influence it. Abraham was an influencer wherever he went, although he wasn't part of them. He knew he didn't fit in. He knew he wasn't part of Canaan. He wasn't part of the Hittites. They were weird. We live in a world, it's weird, right? I mean, they, there's stuff going on that I never even would imagine going on. And I know probably every generation says that. That's proof that you're getting old. You say stuff like that. Let's go, huh? And I don't care, listen, I don't care what your age is right now. Maybe you've kind of coasted and, and not had ventures of faith. You can start today. Let's do this. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you so much, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge in your word. And I do pray, I pray for myself and I pray for, for those standing with me 
that God, we would not be afraid to take that venture. Oh, yeah, those ventures of faith, they cost, no doubt about it. But it's worth everything it costs. There is nothing, nothing better than you, Jesus. And I pray that we would take these walks with you into the unknown, and then we can look back at the known and celebrate and rejoice. So here we are, kind of a ragtag group, and Lord, we wanna go forward with you. I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more moments, and if you're here today and you've never taken that first step, see, you have to start somewhere. And the very first step is to recognize that you're a sinner. The Bible declares that, and I believe the Bible is true. And you have to recognize you're a sinner and then recognize that the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, mostly separation from God. Yeah, there's physical death, but there's also that separation from God. That's what, that's what that's talking about. And if you believe that and you recognize that, you're kind of freaking out. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came and he took your place. Yeah, he died physically, but greater than that, he also died spiritually. He was separated from God in that moment and instant of time to take on your eternal punishment. And now he holds out to you and here's what he says. Here's a gift. You can have eternal life. All you have to do is exercise faith and trust me, believe me. So if you wanna do that this morning, I'm gonna say a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me, you can say it out loud, you can say it silently. Volume doesn't matter, but what does matter is the condition of your heart. If you're backslidden, you know what, come home, come back to Jesus, say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, no matter where you're at, Say this prayer. If God is touching your heart, say this prayer right now. You don't have to be in this building. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you this morning for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart. I want you to change me. I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.